All righty. Are we happy? Are we happy? Come on. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just look at you and we say you are beautiful. You are beautiful, King Jesus. And we just thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. We thank you for all the new babies that are here. We thank you, God, for each and every mother and each and every woman. We just celebrate the gift of of women today, Lord, and just honor you and praise you. I ask, Lord, that every word that comes out of my mouth tonight would be from you. If not, help everyone forget what I say. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke Wicks. That's my guy right there. I haven't seen him in forever. Hi. I, uh, I seriously feel so honored and blessed to be able to speak on, uh, on Mother's Day. Uh, it truly feels like such an honor for many reasons. One, uh, Riverhouse is filled with some of the most powerful, anointed, amazing women that I have ever met in my life. And to be a part of a church family like this is just so, so stinking inspiring. And so women, I'm excited and I think you're really going to like today's message. So about July or August, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. I was in McCall and I was praying, I was seeking the Lord. And the Lord started speaking to me pretty clearly. And he said, AJ, I want you to pray for the women of River House. Um, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to just pray for women of, of Riverhouse because I want to raise up women in Riverhouse and I want to use them to teach the bride of Christ how to be the bride of Christ. And so I, I began praying and I can't remember. I think it was July. I was praying in July or August and I just began to pray and fight and think about what is God's heart for women. I began reading books. I began listening to sermons and just being like, God, like give me inspiration. I want to, I want to hear what you say. I want to know what the word says about the women of God. And so I've just been digging in since July or August about just women. Isn't that cool? <laughs> And so I came, I came to Jord uh, right when he got back from sabbatical. I said, dude, I don't know why. This is what I feel like the Lord's speaking to me. I don't know if it's just for intercession. I don't know if I'm supposed to preach on it. He said, well, hey, let's just sit on it. And then about a month ago, he said, uh, hey, why don't on Mother's Day you preach on what you've been wrestling with with the Lord? And I said, amen. And it just, I'm just so excited um, for so many reasons. One, I get emotional. But women have been the people who have changed my life more than anyone and have taught me more about the heart of God than any man ever has. Um, My tante, who is my godmother, uh, she has given her entire life to just pray for me. That's what she does. She doesn't have any children. She just prays for me. And I've learned more from her and from my wife about the courage and the, and the perseverance and the caring and the nurturing heart of God. And I am so blessed to have God reveal himself through women in my life. 
And then what I'm really excited about is as I've been on this journey of like reading the word, reading books, learning about God's heart for women, my wife and I found out that we're having a little baby girl in October, which we're so stinking excited about. And so I'm just fired up on women right now. You know what I'm saying? It's just I'm going to be a girl dad. It's just a real, real good thing. God really, really, really loves women. And so I just feel blessed. And uh, here's one thing that I do know. The enemy hates women. The enemy absolutely can't stand women. And I know that because women have been some of the most oppressed people for the, since the creation of humans. Women have been one of the most oppressed people group on this planet. But here's the deal. That is not God's heart. God's heart was never, is never for women to be oppressed in any way, shape, or form. And I just want to be like real clear tonight. There's going to probably be some intense things brought up, but we're going to get what God's heart is for women. And how many of you know, men do not turn tune out right now because the reason why this whole thing got into a mess is because we did a terrible job leading for, for years and years and years. So it's time. This isn't just a sermon for women. It's a sermon for all of us. Because what we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is that God created humankind in his image and in his likeness. Both male and female, he created them. He created male and female to rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the creepy creatures that, that creep along the ground. And what's so important to know is that in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and when he spoke everything into existence, God's original intention for humanity is that both male and female would co-rule, co-reign, and co-cultivate the soil. God's heart was that man and woman would live in the Garden of Eden with him forever, staring into his beauty and then reflecting his beauty back into the earth. That's his heart. And what I love about, about women and male being created in the image and likeness of God is what we know is that, man, is that God is neither male nor female. But that you actually need both male and female to begin to get a glimpse of who God is. And if you don't have woman fully walking as woman or man fully walking as man, we are missing out on the revelation of God. So in the image of God, he created man and woman in Genesis 1. In his image, he created them. So in Genesis 1, man and woman are both called to be leaders, are both called to seek God, are both called to dwell in and live with him in the garden and co-create and co-lead and co-cultivate the soil. Amen? So Genesis 2 is a different uh, creation narrative. And what we see is that God created man. Man was alone. Adam is alone hanging out in the garden. And God goes, oh, this is not good. That's how I feel when my wife leaves for a week. It's just not good. You can, I think I have like all my friends, like seriously, they reach out within six hours of her getting on an airplane. And I'm like, are you okay? I'm like, 
and just hear God saying, this is not good. (laughs) And so God says, this is not good. So then what we read is that God took what many translations say is that God took a rib of man and made woman. That is, from what I've read, not a good translation Um, A better translation would be that God took a side or a side chamber of, of man and made woman. And so the original reader would have read this and would have seen that, oh, you actually need both male and female living in healthy relationship together in order to be able to see a revelation of who God is. And then many people will say, well, doesn't Genesis 2 say that uh, that woman, Eve, was supposed to just be man's helper? Said so God created him a helper. Yes, that's true. But the word helper is the same word used for God in his relationship to Israel throughout the, old, the whole Old Testament. <laughs> God is not subordinate to Israel in any way, shape, or form. And actually, if you're a good leader, you help the people you're leading. And so God, so everything that we see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is that God created human beings to live in relationship with each other, beholding his beauty, living with God in the garden, cultivating the soil, naming the animals, ruling and reigning, and living in bliss, co-creating, co-living, all of it together in beauty. That's God's heart for man and woman. And then what happened? Genesis 3 happened. Sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, because Adam and Eve ate fruit, if you ever want to know who is the better leader in the garden, who followed Eve and eaten the fruit? That's good. Man followed Eve. And once they they fell into sin and disobeyed God, that is when the inauguration of the hierarchy-type relationship between man and woman was created. Man was supposed to work and sweat for all the days of his life and cultivate thorns and all these bad things. Woman was to have severe child-birthing pain, and man was now put as ruler over woman. This was not God's design. This was the result of human sin. This is not what he intended to happen. In many ways, Adam and Eve chose this reality. And, and, and I think, and yes, in some ways it seems like Eve and woman has gotten it much worse. But I would also say with Eve not being able to live in the full revelation of, of who woman is, that was one of the biggest disservices to both man and woman. Because we're missing out on a glimpse of who God is. Does that make sense? And what we've seen throughout the whole rest of the Old Testament, I promise we're going to get into to Jesus and what Jesus thinks of women, and we're all going to be happy. You know what I'm saying? And so what we see is that Adam and Eve 
Now there is a hierarchical relationship between man and woman, which was not God's design, which was not God's heart at all. And what we see throughout the rest of the Old Testament is God is, is man taking advantage of this situation. And the further and further and further we get away from the garden, the more oppressed and oppressed and oppressed and oppressed and oppressed that women get. To where then now Jesus walks on the scene. And when Jesus walks on the scene, there was no people group at the time that were more oppressed in Jewish culture, in in the time in, in first century Israel, than Jewish women. They were the most oppressed people on the earth. But what did Jesus come to do? Jesus came. Jesus came to demonstrate the kingdom. And he came to reverse the curse. And so when we read in the, through the Gospels, Jesus' relationship with women, it's really, really, really important to know what is happening in the history and context of women and men at this time. Okay? And so what's happening in this time is women, um, are cons- they are more closely associated with slaves than they are men. Uh, women were not allowed to be educated. Uh, women uh, had to stay at home. Women had no right uh, to divorce their husbands. The only people that could divorce um, or choose to get divorced was the men. Uh, women were also considered unclean when it was uh, that time of the month. And they had to stay at home and not do anything but just live in unclean. Uh, Pharisees and Sadducees were not even allowed to talk to women in public. And here's the worst. Women were considered dangerous because they were the ones that made men sin. That doesn't sound, that sounds really far from co-ruling, co-reigning in the garden, doesn't it? But Jesus came. In every way to restore and redeem creation back into its original design. He did this through the cross and he did this by demonstrating what his kingdom looks like. And what we see throughout all of the gospels is Jesus befriending women. We see him dining with women. We see him empowering women. We see him eating with women. We see him healing women. We see him teaching women. We see him loving women. Why? Because Jesus knew that all of creation was yearning and longing and groaning for the revelation of both the sons and daughters of God. And for way too long was was half of God's voice silent in the earth. And so, and so, Jesus came on a mission. And it's really important to know, when you read the gospel, I promise you, you're going to read the gospels this week. And as you read, you are going to see how incredibly in love with women Jesus was. Because in the gospels, we just will read these stories about women. But because we are in our modern American context, we don't see how revolutionary Jesus was. But this week, I was listening to a TED Talk on women, and, uh, and this academic lady, who I don't know, I wish I knew her name, gets up there and says, speaking from an academic perspective, says, Jesus of Nazareth was the first 
woman's advocate that we can find in the hist- male women advocate in the history of mankind. He was the founder of the women's liberation movement. Come on. And so we're just going to talk. We're going to go through four stories. I'm going to be in teacher mode tonight. Is that okay? I'm going to be in teacher mode tonight. This is different for me, so sometimes I'm a little bit more choppy when I'm trying to teach. But I, I believe that, that we are going to leave here inspired, inspired to do everything that we can to cultivate relationship in a healthy way with both men and women so that we can see the full revelation of God in the earth. Because if we think that women have equal rights today and equal empowerment today, it's just not true. And unfortunately, so many places in the church in particular, there are still many, 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 many places in the church where women are not allowed to lead. But Jesus has something different to say. Amen. All right. This one's one of my favorite, favorite. Open up with me to Luke chapter 8. Do we remember the context? Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, The crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Come on. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Essentially, what are you talking about? But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told him why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Okay, how many of you heard this story before? Okay, in those days and in that time, when women were in their menstrual cycle, I never thought I would say those words from a stage ever. (laughs) Just ever. But you know, it's in the Bible. (laughs) During this time, when it was that time of the month for women, they were considered unclean, they had to stay home. Their own husbands were not even allowed to to touch them, have any kind of intimacy whatsoever. They were considered unclean the same way that lepers were considered unclean. And yet this woman had nonstop bleeding for 12 years. Which means for 12 years she lived in complete isolation She lived completely rejected. She probably never, ever, ever, ever left her home. 
Because if she were to leave her home, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the people of the Jewish culture would say, you are unclean. Not only was she a woman, she was also an unclean woman. And so here's Jesus walking through Disneyland with people all crowded around him. Have you ever been in like Disneyland and it's just like, ah, claustrophobic. I don't like that. And Jesus is walking in this crowd. People have heard that, that he heals people and that all this amazing stuff happens. And people are pressing him, probably touching him, being like, hey, heal me, heal me, heal me. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops because power, he felt power leave from him. The woman was healed, amen. And then he goes, who touched me? The disciples are like, what are you talking about? There's people surrounding you. Like, dude, we got to go to Jairus' house. Jairus, and this is probably the male way of thinking. Jairus was a synagogue leader. And they're probably like, Jesus, we're about to get on the, the, good, the bad guy's good side. Like, we got to just get going, and we just got to get to Jairus' house so that maybe we could have some favor. That's probably what the men were thinking. Why are you stopping? But Jesus stopped, and he said, who touched me? Why did Jesus do this? Jesus did this because he was making a public statement to everybody around. Women, you can come to me. You know, sometimes when we're reading the Bible, we're reading it just through the context of the person receiving ministry. But oftentimes, what we don't realize is that Jesus is actually making a big radical statement. Jesus is saying, I'm not afraid of you woman who's been bleeding, rejected for all of your life. You can come to me, you can touch me, and I will make you clean. I am not scared of you. I see your courage to leave the house and find me. I saw that you had the courage inside of you to get up, to get out of the house, even though knowing that, that if I was like the other Pharisees, you could get killed for something like this. He says, making a public statement, women, you are welcome close to me. All the men would have noticed, all the women would have noticed and been like, what is happening? That's good. A few chapters later, we're just going to roll through stories. Is that fine? A few stories later, how many of you heard the story of Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha is one of my favorite stories in the Bible for many different reasons. But the Bible says that Mary and Martha were Jesus' friends. Again, Jewish men did not have woman friends. Yet Jesus, there's four people that Je the Bible says Jesus loved. Yes, we all know Jesus loves us, for the Bible tells us so. But there are four names written. Jesus loved Mary. He loved Martha, he loved Lazarus, and a po supposedly John says that Jesus loved him too. <laughs> you know? Four people. And so, this is the scripture. You ready? It's Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, 
Lord, excuse me, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord, (laughs) Martha was not scared of Jesus, clearly. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. Who, Martha? You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Okay. Are women allowed to be taught? Are women allowed to be taught in this culture? No, they are not. But what is going on is Martha is just doing what every good Jewish woman would do. She's cooking, she's cleaning, and she's staying out of the way so that the boys can be the boys. She's serving them chips and dips, she's minding her own business, doing what every good Jewish woman is supposed to do in that time. And yet, what we know is the room is probably filled with a lot of people, Because Jesus is teaching, and who happens to be sitting at Jesus' feet? Mary, who is Martha's sister. And, and, And Martha is like, what? And she wasn't the only person in that room thinking that. All the boys just didn't have the confidence like Martha had to say, Jesus, what is going on? How many of you know most of the time when guys are uncomfortable, they just be quiet? (laughs) Martha will say whatever came to her mind. And so she's coming up to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, she's probably offended. She's probably offended that that her sister had the audacity to sit at the feet of a rabbi. Because to sit at the feet of a rabbi or of a teacher meant that you were one of his disciples. Especially in a home context. (laughs) And many times we interpret this message, this scripture through like, you know, Mary didn't strive and Martha was striving. And so, you know, that's just, Jesus is like, don't strive. And that could be an okay interpretation of this. But Jesus wasn't mad at Martha for serving. Jesus wasn't mad at Martha for, for, he wasn't mad at her at all. What Jesus was doing in this moment was saying, Martha, you can't see. I'm doing a new thing. You don't need to stay in the box that this culture has put you in of just serving and cleaning and staying home to where your voice doesn't matter. Mary has gotten that what I'm here, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve you by teaching you the words of my father. Does that make sense? And so all the men would have been like, he said, what? But what we know is that Martha got this. Because what we see in John is that Martha begins to refer to Jesus as teacher. 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 (laughs) I wish 
you know, we just can't even fathom of how absolutely unacceptable Jesus' behavior would have been for that culture. But what this might help you, this is Rabbi Eliezer, who is one of the most well-known rabbis in first century Judaism. He says this. This is one of the most famous quotes. Let the words of Torah be burned up before they are delivered to a woman. Yet every chance Jesus got, he wanted to say, no, no, no. Women, you are welcome at my feet. You are welcome to be my disciple. Martha, Martha, be like Mary. Come sit at my feet. I'm not looking for your service. I'm looking for your heart and your attention. Amen. And this isn't the only place that we see this. Oh, now I'm going to get emotional. This one's so good. I've like read this story like 10 times this week, and it's just getting me good. John chapter 4 is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. So Jesus and all the disciples are on their way to Samaria. The disciples, the boys are hungry. They stop by the well. Jesus is like, you keep going. Go downtown and get yourself some food. I'm going to hang out here by the well. Disciples are probably like, whatever, we're hungry. I don't know why you're hanging out here, but you're weird. <laughs> they go downtown, do their thing. Jesus is staying at the well, and here approaches a Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman was a woman, so we know how she would have been treated in that time. Not only is she a woman, she's a Samaritan woman, which meant she was uh, essentially how the Jewish people would see Samaritans is that they were fake Jews. They were half-breeds. And so up walks this woman in the middle of the day, uh, and the only reason she would come during the middle of the day is because she was not welcomed when the other women were coming to get water in the morning and in the evening. And so in the blazing heat, here comes the Samaritan woman, and she sees this guy sitting by the well. And, and as she comes up to the well, Jesus says, will you give me something to drink? Uh, clearly, I'm paraphrasing this whole story. We preach on it a bunch, so I feel like I can do that. Well, can you give me a drink? And this woman's defense mechanisms go up, and she's like, psh, psh, psh. Aren't you a Jew? Why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? That's how you, she, she's like defense mechanisms up. Why? Because she's like, why on earth is this Jewish man asking for me to help him get some water? He, he should want to have nothing to do with me. He should want to have absolutely nothing to do with me. And so then Jesus begins to, talk to her. If you knew who was offering you this drink, you would never thirst again. Even though she got sassy and put up this defense mechanism, Jesus kept going in. He kept talking to her. He kept building connection and said, hey, I'm going to keep talking to you. You may, hey, you may shut me out, but I'm going to keep talking. 
And Jesus begins to teach this woman about the living water and begins to teach this woman this revelation that he has of of the living water, of not drinking again. And all of a sudden, this woman, you can see her defense mechanisms come down, and she's beginning to engage with Jesus in conversation, which would have been, it was illegal for women to talk to men in public. She's like, why is this guy talking to me? And they're engaging in this conversation. And then we get to this point where she's kind of kind of going like, I kind of want this water. What are you talking about? Like, but you don't have a cup. How are we going to do this? Like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, Jesus goes, go and get your husband. And if you're anything like me, whenever I've heard this story, I'm like, why does Jesus have to bring up her sin? Have you guys all read it pretty similar? Jesus goes, well, she goes, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, oh, no, you're right. You actually have had five. And now the woman you're with isn't the woman. Oh, I'm going to stop there. The man you're with is not even your husband. The man you're with is not even your husband. And every time I've read this, I've been like, Lord, why did you do that? That seems kind of like weird to bring that up in this moment, to bring up this woman's sin. (laughs) That shows how I interpret it. Um, Because the truth is, women weren't allowed to divorce men in this culture. Only man could divorce woman. And so Jesus isn't calling out her sin. What Jesus is doing is he's saying, I know you've been rejected by five men, and the one that you're with right now doesn't even have the dignity to marry you. But I'm here to build connection with you. I'm here to speak to you. She wouldn't have heard it like Jesus was condemning her, bringing up her sin. What she would have heard is, there's this Jewish man who shouldn't be talking to me, and he's talking to me, and he's bringing up the fact that five men have left me, and that the one I'm with doesn't even have the dignity to stay with me, and yet he's still talking, he's still loving, he's still pursuing, and he's still engaging with me. Jesus was trying to build connection, a heart connection with this woman because Jesus cared for her. He cared for her heart. He cared for her story. He cared for who she is. And he looks at her and says, I know that there's this culture where men can do whatever they want. And as soon as they get bored of you, they can leave, go and run for the hills. But let me tell you, I have the living water and I'm offering you this drink so that you would never thirst again. And then the disciples come back. And as the disciples come back, John says, they're like, why is he talking to a lady? They're like, but I'm not going to say anything to him. Are you going to say anything to him? Nope. Let's just act like nothing's happening. (sighs) One plus one equals two. Jesus, this doesn't fit in my logical box. And what we know is that Jesus 
made such an impact on this woman after she opened her heart about the, the husband thing and that whole situation, Jesus revealed that he was the Christ to her. The first person that Jesus revealed himself to be Christ to was a half-bred Samaritan woman. <laughs> That's the first person he chose to say, I am the Christ. This woman, feeling so connected, feeling so loved, went back into Samaria, and she told all the people about this Messiah, this Christ that is to come. And, and, and it says, many in Samaria began to believe because of this woman's testimony. This woman was the first evangelist of the New Testament. What I think is important to point out, no one would have listened to her before the well. But she went back and something shifted deep inside of her so that when she testified of what she encountered, people believed what the words that were coming out of her mouth. How many of you know when you're connected with Jesus, when you're connected and you believe and you're secure in who you are and that you know 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 that you belong and that you are safe and that you do will not be rejected. The words and the confidence that come out of your mouth are actually transformative. Amen. I love that story. Now on to my favorite one. Oh, I want to give credit to where credit is due. That's a good idea as a preacher. Um, I read over the last four years a bunch of books on women, women in ministry, God's heart for women. And if you want any resources, please reach out to me. I would love, 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 love to give you the, this one. But that came from uh, Chris Valentin's book, Fashion Terrain, which is absolutely amazing. Okay, this is my favorite one. This is Jesus at his spunkiest. He was a lot more spunky than everyone thinks. You know, all of what he's been doing, all of what we've been talking about is was like radical, 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 radical lover Jesus. I want to know him more. I want to be like him more. All right, Luke 7, 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at a Pharisee's house. So she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman that she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered his thought. Watch what you think. Oh, so much conviction in the room right now. Simon, I have something to tell you. 
Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will he love more? Simon replied, eh, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt would be forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Simon, Pharisee, do you see this woman? What he's saying, look at her. I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So here's this prostitute. This is one of our favorite stories we tell all the time here. Here's this prostitute who goes in and lavishes all that she has onto the feet of Jesus. Her very last drop. She's breaking every cultural standard that we could have ever, ever, ever imagined. And in this home of this Pharisee who is the religious ruler, who makes all the rules, who has made all the regulations, who, has, who is supposed to be the one who knows the Torah and the heart of God the best. After this scene, Jesus looks at the Pharisee, Simon, and he says, look at this woman. Can't you see? <laughs> this woman gets it a lot better than you do. You may know the Torah. You may have it recited. You may know every little detail of every law and every rule and every checkbox and everything. But this woman, look at her. Do you see her? Because when I was in your presence, she gave me all that she had, but you gave me nothing. Jesus is looking at the most high leadership person of the day, and he is saying, would you learn from the prostitutes? Would you learn from this woman who is an outcast because she gets it a whole lot more than you do? She can see what you can't see even though you know the, the law better than her. When, so he says, when do you see? He's saying, learn from her. Jesus was God on a mission to bring women back into their rightful place of using their voice in power and in confidence and in authority. 
He came to empower them. He came to be women's advocate. In a culture that dishonored and disvalued women, Jesus honored, dined with, empowered, healed, saved, and transformed women's life everywhere he went. He did not do this just because they were oppressed. He did this because the earth needs the revelation of both man and woman if we want to develop and mature into the fullness of what God created us for. If half of God's voice is silent, we will miss out on what he wants to do. We need both man and we be, need both woman's voice to both fully be man and fully be woman in order to begin to have a small glimpse of who he is. So Jesus came to, to, to absolutely set the women free, but he also came because he longs and yearns. All, the whole mission and point of God is that we would be a people who see him rightly. And if we cannot see him, we will not be able to see him rightly if man and woman aren't full walking in the authority that God has called us to be. This is true for not just man and woman. This is true for every tribe and every race and every ethnicity. He is the God of justice. He is coming and he wants to resurrect where, where man has used his authority to put down and to demolish and to make people lesser than. He has come and offers another way. And here's the truth. Each and every one of us have a decision to make. Do we want to live in the, third, in the Genesis 3 reality of hierarchical relationships where we use our authority and position to dominate others? Or do we want to actually believe the blood of Jesus actually can and reverse the curse do we want to live in the reality of the new covenant that he paid for amen so jesus it's good isn't it robin i love this chris valentin pointed this out in his book and then we'll get out of here <laughs> it was man who killed jesus It was the, the only person that wanted to try and save him was a woman, Pilate's wife. It was women that stayed with him and his brother while all the disciples left while he was being murdered. And it was women who found him at the tomb. <laughs> God loves women. He always has. And he always will. God's heart for women isn't just a New Testament and a new covenant thing. God has always been for women. At the time when only men ruled in the Old Testament, God made Miriam one-third of Israel's leadership team. He promoted Deborah to the position of chief prophet and judge over Israel, and she served the nation in the capacity for four decades. God grafted Rahab, a prostitute, into the lineage of Christ. He redeemed a foreign widow named Ruth and birthed King David through her offspring. And he took an orphan girl named Esther and made her queen just in time to save all of Israel. God's treatment of women in scripture, even in the Old Testament, is strikingly different than man's treatment of women. And it's time for us as a people and as a community to fully embrace the new covenant reality and live a life where we actually submit ourselves to one another and man learn from woman and woman learn from man. Amen. I'm going to leave us with this question. 
How will the church of Jesus ever learn to be the bride of Christ if we don't position our hearts to learn from the feminine heart of God? Could it be, I don't have the answer to this, but could it be that there's so much disunity in the body of Christ because woman's voice has been silent for so long? If we want to learn to be the bride of Christ, it is time to see God rightly and his creation rightly. Amen. All right, will you stand? Women, we love you. We need you. And we just honor, we honor and honor, honor the gift of God on each and every one of your lives. And say thank you for being who God created you to be. And so why don't we just like, if you're a woman, just put out your hands. And like, let's just men pray a blessing over the women. All of us just like out loud right now. I know this is kind of awkward, but let's just pray a blessing over, over women. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for every single woman in this church, God. And I just pray that you would give us a heart. Would you just give us your heart, Lord, for all of creation? And women, we just say we love you. We love the courageous hearts that you have. We love the perseverant hearts that you have. We thank you. We thank you for being who God created you to be. And we just ask, Lord, for even double favor, double anointing to pour on every single woman in this church. I ask, God, that the favor and the abundance of heaven and what the enemy tried to steal, I pray, Lord, that you would return tenfold to every single woman in this house. Would you God, would you come in your power? Would you come in your might? And would you come in your holiness? And would you come and empower each and every woman in here to be more than conquerors for those who are in Christ Jesus? So we love you. We praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. All righty. Be blessed.